Welcome to Ethereal Odyssey Podcast. We're using divination and intuitive support to help you become your highest possible self. Hey guys, we're going to be talking about Satan today. (laughs) I'm going to be talking about the references to where he shows up in different uh, religious texts, um, conspiracy theories, uh, and whatnot. So if you love that stuff, hang in there with me. And then towards the end, we'll talk about what Satanists actually think of Satan. So let's get started. The first reference to Lucifer isn't even actually Satan. Um, the original Hebrew translations talking about the tyrannical, uh, Babylonian king who brags about his conquest, but, um, about to be cast to the ground. And Lucifer, in Latin for Lightbringer or the Morning Star, is actually the same name for Venus, and that was a nod towards Venus. Um, The observation that Venus climbs and climbs and climbs the sky, um, but never quite reaching the top, and then uh, it seems to fall whenever the rising sun comes up, seems to think that there's some kind of story of the rise of a star and then the fall. That's where you get the fall of the angel, the fall of the morning star. The morning star pops up a lot of different other places, but it's supposed to represent this angelic deity. Um, I really like the interesting um, archetypes of Lucifer and Venus popping up in the same area. They're both about... uh, like love and lust and comfort and luxuries. Um, You even see um, Venus being the ruler of Taurus and Libra. You even see this dichotomy in him, like having the horns of Taurus and being um, standing up for justice no matter the cost. He's mentioned um, three more times in the New Testament, one of which refers to actually Jesus instead of himself as the morning star, uh, which I think that anytime they talk about the morning star, I don't believe that it is strictly about Satan or Lucifer. It is um, any kind of angel deity. It's like any kind of nod towards uh, somebody who is supposed to be angelic. But, uh, yeah, in 2nd century, Christian uh, martyr Justin Samaria, or Justin of Samaria, uh, first argued that Satan appeared as a certain to tempt Adam and Eve to disobey God. Um, and then this other guy in 3rd century is like, no, Satan's first sin was, wasn't tempting or even refusing to go along um, with God's plan. It was actually sin out of pride, like the climbing and falling of the morning star. And that's where you get this, um, this story of a fallen angel. There's actually not even this whole story in the Bible about him falling as an angel. You get that from a lot of mistranslations, a lot of stuff being added in later. Um, but the most common stories of who Satan is as a specific character or person um, comes from the Dante's uh, Divine Comedy and Paradise Lost, which aren't even actually religious. Uh, I mean, they are religious, but they're not in um, Judaism or the Christian Bible at all.
In the New Testament, he continues to act as a tester and enforcer, um, but not God's enemy, as um, his, like, bad cop, like his enforcer. Uh, he pops up as a serpent and as a like a giant sea monster, but it's actually a different character altogether, Leviathan. Um, not at all the seductive serpent that you see uh, in Eden. He Leviathan is a giant um, dragon that pops up in um, Revelation. People perceive him kind of like an old guard that's been on the job too long, too, um, too about corporal punishment and they just want him to get disbarred early um and that's kind of fucked up the way that he is portrayed when all he wants is just this this enlightenment and this justice no matter the cost and I was thinking well why does he have to be so specific about his justice why if things are already good then why does he need to bring this truth to light and then this interesting article, I want to say it's from Thought.co, uh, popped up about um, what if God was the evil one and Satan was actually a martyr. And that brought in the whole theory of Christianity being a massive form of Stockholm Syndrome. Um, basically, God saying, I'm the good one, don't listen to him. Uh, because I think that he's evil, blah, 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 when Satan's really like, hold up. For one, I'm trying to let people know what's really going on, trying to let them know the truth, to let them know what's right and wrong. They're making their own choices. And two, you're literally telling me to go out and test all these people. Like, if you look, God is responsible for 250 million deaths. Satan's really only responsible for maybe 10. Oh my gosh. Like, and then you get this whole language that pops up. Like, if there's like all these natural disasters that happen, like these tsunamis and earthquakes, why do we call them acts of God? Why don't we call them acts of the devil? Then you get this um, divine punishment from God. These genocide, these plagues, these ethnic cleansings. If the Bible is the word of God, then he supports all of this slavery and this torture and this infant side and rape. Um, by no means is the devil being blamed for any of these things. Uh, the, like, even, let's look at some of the scariest type of stereotypes that uh, Satan's are, or Satan. Satanists are accused of, of being rapists, of being uh, child murderers, of sacrificing people and animals. When Let's look at some of the most horrific things um, say, Satanists are accused of. Rape, human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, and hurting children. In the Satanic Bible, it specifically says in the... Um, the rules of the earth that you are not allowed to engage in sexual acts with another person unless they consent. No little har children are come to harm. No animals are to be killed unless it's for food or they attack you. Like specifically, he mentioned these things and their sort of uh, satanic commandments, if you will.
And when you look at these stories in the Bible, like God is sacrificing humans left and right. He's sacrificing his own son who is literally sinless. He's having Abraham sacrificing his own son, which he did let him live after a minute, but he was really fucking testing him. He becomes this, like, tyrannical dictator, condemning the martyr of enlightenment, um, demonizing Satan because he let people know that what was going on was right and wrong, so he couldn't just do whatever the fuck he wanted and people wouldn't know the difference. Like, and this is very common along politicians and anyone seeking personal gain at expense of others. The only thing that he's, um, that Satan's actually accused of, the only thing that he is accused of is convincing Eve to eat from the tree. And which wasn't even really convincing. He told her the fucking truth. He said, hey, like, why aren't you allowed to eat this? Oh, well, because God said we'll die. Well, you're not going to die. You're going to know right from wrong, just like a god. And it was the fucking truth. He literally just said the truth. And the truth happened, but he still got uh, chastised for it. So, I just don't understand why knowledge is this thing that we aren't supposed to have. Knowledge is the progression of modern science. It's curing infectious diseases, life-saving surgeries, feeding hungry people, rescuing um, people from natural disasters. We wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for having knowledge and technology. Um... Yeah, this just demonstrates the power of God through only small miracles, curing one man of leprosy instead of all of them, feeding 500 people with bread and fish, but still millions are going hungry and starving, curing one man of blindness, but like everybody is still supposed to be left in the dark. People weren't even allowed to fucking read the Bible except for a whole like handful of people. So, uh, why do they call them God-fearing people in the first place? They're supposed to be good God-fearing people. Why is it good to fear somebody? A lot of hearsay. There's been a lot of uh, misinterpretation and mistranslation. And that's where you get um, this whole um, Satan character in this evil light. When and it's just insane. Um, you get a lot of, uh, these correlations between Lucifer and Venus, um, of him and Prometheus, of, uh, Enki. If you see that they all were these sub-gods, um, not quite Zeus and not quite God, who wanted to give the people knowledge and the main god said no, so they did it anyways. They brought them fire. They brought them knowledge. They gave them keys to these doors. And still, um, 
the people were eternally grateful for that. Societies thrive from that. Civilization advanced from that because they weren't blindly worshiping these leaders and sacrificing animals because of that. Um, the main god got pissed and cast down these uh, different gods like Lucifer and Prometheus to be... Uh, tortured or torturous or seen in an evil light for the rest of their days and you know like you even see Prometheus who says I don't regret a single thing even though like a crow comes and eats at my liver every fucking day while I'm chained to this rock it's interesting uh to say the very least but getting back to the Stockholm Syndrome uh analogy Captors convinces these captives that they um, their lives could be ended by them at any time. So these captives develop this survival mechanism that they think it's safer to be in alignment with this uh, malevolent ruler than it is to go against him and potentially risk your life and your eternal damnation. Um, believing is the only salvation, even if they're still a good person, they could still risk uh, eternal damnation. So their will to live or outweighs all the impulse to hate the person who created their dilemma in the first place. Personal uh, tragedy as the test of faith. Uh, captives then view the captor as being benevolent or meaning well because they aren't willing because they're willing to overlook all these malevolent actions if any form of kindness is being shown. These are massively abusive relationships, and then everyone's like, "Oh well, count your blessings." Like, this is what you get a lot with like impoverished nations. Um, well, at least you have your health because God hasn't taken that away from you. Like, you shouldn't have to be worrying about, I mean, yes, you should be grateful for what you have, but I don't think that it's fair to say that you should worry about these most basic survival, um, God taking these most survival needs away from you. Uh, mistaking lack of abuse with kindness is severely um, highlighted in this theme. So it's just a really scary defense mechanism um, in an undesirable situation causing irrational thoughts. Um, And Satan is one of the deities that demonstrates free will. Um, God threatens with punishment for not doing what he wants, but Satan tells us that we should enjoy our lives. We should be happy and free to do what we think is right. So Satanism doesn't actually even believe in Satan as an entity. The majority of them are actually atheists um, and don't believe in any kind of power power at all. Um, Now you do get some that do believe in... um, that are quote-unquote devil worshippers, but it's devil in the sense of Lucifer as an entity of knowledge. The original um, anarchist of God that was willing to um, enlighten people no matter the cost. I think that this is a really interesting point of view. So, 
when you look at the history of how um, the church even started, it was back in the 1960s, this guy, Anton LaVey, um, was reading different articles that were very much about social Darwinism and anarchy, um, specifically Red is Might from um, Ragnar Redbeard. Now, even though Ragnar had some interesting things to say, basically about don't turn the other cheek, you have every right to defend yourself, uh, Ragnar was also very uh, racist and sexist. <laughs> so Anton LaVey um, published this book called The Satanic Bible, and it's not so much religious scripture as it is um, a collection of essays and thoughts on, on the way he perceive the way we ought to live. And then he also um, founded the Church of Satan. This was all right around 1969, uh, in the height of the counterculture, which I think is really interesting um, as well. So I'd like to look at the, <laughs> there's the 11, um, Hold on one second. There's the 11 satanic rules of the earth, and then there's also the nine sins. So I'm just going to read off the uh, 11 rules real quick. Number one, do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Number two, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them, which could be kind of helpful. Number three, in another's lair, show him respect or else do not go there. Number four, if a guest in you, your lair annoys you, uh, treat him cruelly or without mercy. Number five, do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating signal. Holy fuck is this important. Number six, do not take that of which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and he cries out to be relieved. Number seven, acknowledge the power um, you have employed and successfully obtain your desires. If you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. I don't really fully under understand that one. I know that in the Satanic Bible, Anton LaVey does talk about uh, greater and lesser magic and different rituals, which... Um, the rituals, I want to say that there's like three main ones. One about compassion, one about lust, and one about um, cutting cords, if I'm uh, reciting these correctly. And they're not rituals for doing magic or spells on other people. It's almost like a psychodrama for yourself. It's like you can act out uh, what you need to in order to relieve this kind of baggage that you're carrying along. Um, very similar to the way that witches actually practice rituals as well. It's not so much for other people. It's very mainly for ourselves. Uh, moving on. Number eight, do not complain about anything in which you need not subject yourself. Holy fuck yes. Number nine, do not harm little children. No one is hurting children. Number 10, do not kill non-humans unless you are attacked or for food. I think this is really important. 11, when you're walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not, stop and destroy him. 
I don't think that they mean physically, uh, possibly, but I think this is more about um, cutting him down with words and letting him know that his um, actions of not acknowledging your boundaries is fucking Okay, so I'm going to quickly read the nine satanic sins um, off of the churchofsatan.com website. Um, just so you can kind of get a better feel of what, um, Satanists stand for and what they don't stand for. So these are the sins. Number one, stupidity. The top of the list for satanic sins, stupidity. The cardinal sin of Satanism. It is too bad that stupidity isn't painful. Ignorance is one thing, but our society thrives increasingly on stupidity. It depends on people going along with whatever they are told. The media motive promotes a cultivated stupidity as a posture that not only acceptable but laudable. Satanists must learn to see through tricks and cannot afford to be stupid. Can't agree more. <laughs> Number two, pretentiousness. Empty posturing can most be most irritating and isn't applying the cardinal rules of lesser magic. An equal footing with stupidity for what keeps the money in circulation these days. Everyone's made to feel like a big shot whether they can come up with the goods or not. Solipsism can be very dangerous for Satanists. Projecting your reactions, responses, and sensibilities into someone who's probably far less attuned than you are is a mistake of accepting people to give you the same consideration, courtesy, and respect that you naturally give them. They won't. Instead, Satanists must strive to apply the dictum of do unto others as they do unto you. It's work for most of us and requires constant vigilance lest you slip into comfortable illusion of everyone being like you. Has been said, certain utopias would be ideal in a nation of philosophers, but unfortunately or perhaps fortunately, um, we are far from that point. Self-deceit. It is in the nine satanic uh, statements, but deserves to be repeated here. Another cardinal sin, we must not pay homage to any sacred cows presented to us, including the roles we are expected to play ourselves. The only time self-deceit would be entered into is for fun or with awareness, but when it's not uh, self-deceit. Herd of conformity. That's obvious for a satanic stance. It's alright to conform to a person's wishes if it's ultimately benefiting you also. But only fools follow along with the herd letting an impersonal entity dictate you. The key is to choose a master wisely instead of being enslaved by the whims of many. Number six, lack of perspective. Again, this is one can lead to a lot of pain for Satanists. You must never lose sight of who you are and what a threat you can be. Your very existence, uh, we are making history right now every day. Always keep the wider historical social picture in mind, and that is important key to both lesser and greater magic. See the patterns and fit things together as you want to be, as you want the pieces to fall into place. Do not be swayed by herd constraints, you know that you are working on another level entirely from the rest of the world. 
forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. Be aware that this is one of the keys to brainwashing people into accepting new and different, when in reality it's something that was once widely accepted but is now presented into a new package. We are expected to rave about the genius of the creator and forget the original sin. This makes for a disposable society. Number 8. Counterproductive Pride that first word is important. Pride is great upon the point you begin to throw out the baby with the bathwater. The rule of Satanism is, if it works for you, great. When it stops working for you, and when you've painted yourself into a corner, and the only way out is to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I wish we could compromise somehow, then do it. Number nine, lack of aesthetics. This is the physical application of the balance factor. Aesthetic is important to the lesser magic and should be cultivated. It is obvious that no one can collect any money off the classical standards of beauty and form the most time that they are discouraged in consumer society, but an eye for beauty or balance is an essential satanic tool and must be applied for the greatest magical effectiveness. It is not what's supposed to be pleasing, but what is. An aesthetic is personal thing, reflective of one's own nature, but there are universally pleasing and harmonious configurations that should not be denied. I love that uh, lack of aesthetic is a sin. Like, dude, you gotta look about it, be about it. Um, I know that a lot of the campaigns that um, the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple have done are very heavily on performance art. Uh, the whole shock and awe of the visual um, is very striking, and I feel like they understand that um, as above, so below um, type of dichotomy that it is important, um, almost like I would... I would like to correlate this to like color therapy, wearing different colors to make you feel better or to make you feel more in tune. Um, also, somebody told me to start wearing yellow nail polish to tune into a different deity, and I love that concept so much. Uh, and I feel feel as though this follows under like the you know, be about the aesthetic type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, um, the Church of Satan and Satan Satanic uh, Temple has been doing some amazing campaigns for people and feminists, um, like, for years and decades. Uh, lately, some of the campaigns I can talk about were um, the Protect the Child Project in 2014 when they campaigned against uh, corporal punishment in schools on children because that goes against directly one of their uh, laws of not hurting children. Um, they are really great advocates for kids and kids' um, rights. So they thought it was awesome when you were allowed to uh, bring prayer into school um, and they specifically were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now our satanic children are allowed to, you know, lead the pledge in the morning also. Uh, I don't think that that's what, he, like, the governor in Florida had in mind when he signed the bill. But uh, I really think that it's amazing that they're really campaigning for kids, especially in schools, to have freedom of religion um, in this sort of um, oppressive environment. 
They've also done things where um, Westboro Church had after-school uh, programs teaching um, the um, need to worship Jesus or you will suffer through eternal damnation and the satanic temple is like okay cool we're gonna have an after school special too um because maybe a lot of families like don't believe in that but they also need that after school program um because of their working stances or whatever um so they did one and that was about teaching kids self-reliance and respect and, and believing in yourself and loving yourself um and being kind to animals um, the Westboro Church were going outside of schools and handing out religious pamphlets. So the Satanic Church started making up uh, uh, the Church of Satan coloring books and activity books and handing those out at the same sites. Um, let's see. So things that they've done for the public in general um, is advocating for freedom of religion. So um, I'm not sure if anybody remembers back in Oklahoma, I want to say it was about 2013, 14. Um, in the Oklahoma state capitol, um, there was a church wanting to put up a huge monument to the Ten Commandments. And the satanic church was like, okay, cool, yeah, we want to put up a big statue of Bathmouth. And if you've seen The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's the same, or a similar statue uh, with, you know, this picture of Satan with his goat head and these children looking up in awe. Um, it's the same type of thing. Um, so not long after they put that one up also, um, the city required both of the churches to take down their things. Um, just <laughs> because they had to make it equal, I guess, at that point. Uh, same thing happened in Arkansas. They wanted um, a different church wanted to put up the Ten Commandments uh, statue, and the Satanic Church wanted to show. Basically, they're just doing these demonstrations to show um, that there should be a separation from church and state, and any religion should be equal, whether they believe in a direct entity or not. Um, I really love this activism and social justice that they're trying to portray. Um, they have been advocates for Muslim refugees um, that have been victimized, um, like American Muslims who had been victimized and um, people um, breaking into their homes and they have let them seek sanctuary sanctuary in their churches because of that. Um, and I think that's really amazing, um, that they're even accepting of other, uh, religions into their own church for, um, the being of others. Uh, and they have rallied outside of Planned Parenthoods alongside of, um, pro-life people just to kind of give that, that perspective, not allowing the majority of one religion to overtake the public image. And I think that's really, um, really amazing and important um, for the, for Satanists to be standing up to these heavily uh, influential churches. In conclusion, Satan is a feminist uh, because he 
promotes making your own decision. A lot of the Satanism and feminism um, ideologies are very one in themselves. They're all about striving for compassion, um, equality, empathy, and justice overall, no matter the status quo. Respecting your own body and free will, as well as respecting the body and free will of others. Um, not distorting any kind of um, information for your own personal gain. Um, respecting and protecting women's reproductive rights. Um, yeah, I think that they are an amazing institution and I'm really uh, glad to be giving you this episode. If you have any comments on why you think Satan is a feminist, uh, let me know. So let me wrap up this little, uh, conversation with some tarot cards. Uh, I wanted to pick a few that really amplify the energy, um, of Satan and Lucifer as an entity. So I guess I could typically just pick out the devil card. Um, if you look at it, it's usually this really scary depiction of uh, the devil overlooking these two people who look like they're really in pain and suffering when it's, uh, in my opinion, it's actually an ironic card because he is the one one person letting them know that um, they're only imprisoned in their minds and they still have their own free will. Um, their chains are actually false. This is um, a lot having to do with like spiritual awakening and free will and Capricorn is the ruler of um, the devil card. Then I thought about justice. Then you look at it, it's usually some sword and um, this very sharp movement. Justice is ruled by uh, Libra, which is about truth and law and righting wrongdoings. I thought about uh, the tower, this uh, divine act of love of shaking you off of your foundations in order to rebuild what is really right and true and sustaining for you. This liberation, this freedom, this shocking change, uh, which is ruled by Mars. Um, judgment. Uh, I really like this card because in the deck that I'm looking at, it's almost like a mask that's being revealed off of judgment. It's an angel. Um, I think that's really interesting type of um, comparison. The mask looks all scary, but once they lift it off, um, his face is actually really beautiful. Um, and I think that's a big correlation between um, between like Satan stereotypes and what Satan actually represents. Uh, people think that these... He's this malevolent, um, evil person that is just out to kill you and get you and um, lie to you. When really he is um, supposed to be someone who's making you question things, thinking rationally and um, calling you out on all your bullshit so that you can uh, empower yourself, inform yourself, and um, treat others with love and respect as well. 
And then I got a couple um, other cards that I want to talk about. The f and lastly, um, the Hierophant. I would argue that the Hierophant um, could represent Satan either upright or reversed. Upright meaning you're starting this new type of um, tradition. You're going back to the grassroots of what um, Satan actually represents and not forgetting his role on um, what it means to be right and in, to be informed. And Hierophant Reverse could also represent Satan because he is questioning tradition. He's questioning spirituality and um, everything that you know about it. Um, and I think that's really important. Thanks for joining me for this podcast, guys, uh, and following me through this whole uh, journey with Satan and these conspiracy theories about um, Stockholm Syndrome. I appreciate all of you guys hanging in there with me for it. It is Aquarius season, so what do you really expect? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Ethereal Odyssey. If you have any questions, you can leave me a voicemail on uh, the Anchor app or just send me a direct message. Thank you guys so much. And uh, if you have any requested episodes, let me know.